disturbed, everyone. As always, it's Daddy Cat, Darren Carp on the ow, mic, ow. here with Count Chocula himself, oh my God. Johnny, Ooh. Johnny Boy Thrasher. John, did you post that picture on Patreon of you looking like Count Chocula? Because the people want to know it. No, I didn't. You didn't? Because I don't feel like humiliating myself for Patreon is part of the perks, but... I will that, post no, it. No, that's a perk, babe. That's a is Patreon it? perk. Well, actually, you might be right. Maybe that is a reason to tune yeah. in there. Patreon. For no, those who don't know, last yeah, last week, Darren and I were recording, and she stopped me in the middle of it. Or maybe we weren't even recording it. I don't remember. But she goes, I'm so sorry. Like, can you just do me a quick favor and take a screenshot? You look like the Count Chocula with your um, chair. And I'm sitting on an office chair where the headrest is like, looks like a count vampires like your neck has collar. wings yeah like my neck has wings exactly and i just lost my mind like i feel like it's in an was it in the patreon episode or something maybe i forget but i laughed so it hard was. my face was so red i mean it was like the funniest thing i'd ever heard so i guess i will post yeah, it yeah you like fell off your chair just I'll just post, post it, it babe. i will i'll post it just just make it happen. I did want to ask you, though, about your, speaking of Count Chocula, did you get your Frankenberries? Cause, and what is the situation? Your mom gets you these every no, you, year for Thanksgiving? You know, you know what? I, I, I was just on the phone with my mom. And I yeah. know my mom listens to this podcast. We all know because she always has notes every single week. This right. is now a public service announcement to my mother that mm-hmm. my mom, you know, like what good is a parent if they're not going to buy mm. their 34-year-old daughter sugary cereal? <laughs> For Halloween, you know, and like every year it's like my mom gets me the booberry, the Frankenberry, Count Chocula. And like this year, Bupkis, I nothing. She forgot about me. Right. So, mom, mom, this is I'm frankly, I'm hurt. I'm offended. I'm John's hurt. hurt. Yeah, I'm I'm hurt. But they only sell them, they don't sell them in every single grocery store, and they only sell, like, the blueberries and frankenberries at certain times a year, you know? No, wait a minute. Are blueberries and frankenberries different? Blueberry is one. Frankenberry is the other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, got it. Blueberries are the blueberry ghosts. Frankenberries are the pink Frankensteins. And Count Chocula is the chocolate counts. Well, let me just say this. Because I'm very annoyed with you and maybe even a little bit of Susan. Because I was in oh. the grocery store recently and I saw Count Chocula cereal and I thought, oh my God, I want to buy it so bad. Like I love Count Chocula. And it was because I thought of it because of you. Like I probably would have caught my eye yeah. in the grocery store, but like that week it did, of course. And I was like, you know, I've been doing really, right what's yeah. that? I said, how could, I mean, how, yeah. like. Obviously, yeah, it's like you right. sell yourself in a cereal and you're going to purchase it. <laughs> you were like, that's me. That's me. On a cereal. Sweeties, yeah. that's me. Sweeties, yes. that's me. So, and then I was like, um, you know, I'm doing really well on a diet right now. And I just didn't want all the sugary cereal all up in my diet. So I passed on it. But I do want to say one last thing about your mom. I was thinking that next time you're with her, if you could record like an audio snippet of her being like, Darren... Or like, you know, you had mentioned previously once to me that she's she's more of a Darren, you know, kind of strict and stern. I think it would be really fun to get her audio on my soundboard oh. so that whenever we oh. need a moment where your mom needs to check you, we just go, oh, but it's her kind of reiterating that you need to be. Yeah, it'd probably attention. be more like a, a Darren you know, yeah. like the, one of those like yeah, Susie exactly. Q responses. Of Something just, like, to think about. It's funny because I think my mom probably hates being called Susie Q, but like I just like can't 
help it. Like my mom yeah. is not interesting because our family calls her Zooey. Like that's Zooey. her nickname with our family. Zooey. I like because that name. When my mom was in college, her best friend from like high school and growing up, and then her roommate in college was this woman named Franny. And if you remember that J.D. Salinger book, Franny and Zoe, Z-O-O-E-Y, okay, like yep. it just became from there, and then That's it like cute. it morphed into Zooey. And so like Zooey just became this like nickname for that my mom. Is so, so even cute. everyone, we don't call her like Sue or Susie, but everyone calls her Zoo. Like Zoo. everyone's like Zoo, Zoo, Zoo. I and love so it's that. Just that sort of. It's actually a great nickname. It's like, a cool I, I, nickname. Probably, yeah. She probably hates it, but I always thought Zooey was like a cool. <laughs> Uh, everyone always called her Zooey. So I Zooey just kind of stuck, and I kind of love that name. Well, as it pertains to Count Chocula, maybe they will sponsor our show or buy ads That'd on be nice. our show. Wouldn't that be nice? But speaking of which, because well, my mom's not buying it for me, so yeah, how am I going to get it? clearly not. Exactly. Ma- I, I might, Zooey's not getting it. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to just pick up the next box I see, because why not at this point? Thank but yeah, that being said, Thank while you. we're talking about uh, ads and sponsors, we have to talk about these microdose gummies again because I know, you know, we both have liked them for various reasons. I know a lot of my family have loved me giving them things. You recently brought um, gummies to Thanksgiving as a side. Like some people I bring did. stuffing or cranberry sauce. You brought t- uh, sure. THC microdose gummies. Um, yeah. How has it been? I know I feel like you've you've gotten into a new habit recently with them. I did. I actually just started two new kind of hobbies that I'm hoping to keep up, uh, mm-hmm. journaling as well as meditation, uh, oh. trying to meditate at least a f- just a few minutes a day to start off. I don't want to start off too big. Otherwise, I'm never going to do it and be intimidated by it. And yeah. with journaling, I don't want it to feel like homework. Yeah. And so I, um, I, I usually journal a lot at night and I try and meditate mm-hmm. either in the morning or night. And I find that just popping the Lumi gummies late at night helps me kind of focus and relax. A quick little like, microdose, you know? A, quick little microdose gets me in touch with really what I'm feeling so I can write everything down and it, and it proves to be a really fun exercise for myself. So that's, awesome. that's been really improved through those Lumi gummies. I, I love them. I love that. Our show today is sponsored by Microdose Gummies. Microdose Gummies deliver perfect entry-level doses of THC that help you feel just the right amount of good. They keep you focused. If you want to be a good journalist, apparently you should get into THC microdosing gummies according to Darren. That's right. <laughs> and Microdose is available nationwide. To learn more about microdosing THC, go to microdose.com and use code SHAKEN to get free shipping and 30% off your first order. Links can be found in the show description, but again, that's microdose.com, code SHAKEN. So Darren, let's get into this week's case, and if anyone is looking at their podcast app at the moment, they're like, oh, haven't they done this in the past? And we do want to mention We have done a case on a previous podcast. You may know the name of it. It might be called Martinis Mm -hmm. and Murder. It might be. It might be about Scott Peterson. And we realize, you know, it's an older case. It might have been talked about a lot. But really, there are some interesting updates about this case that, Darren, you in, in particular were really interested in kind of bringing this up. Remember, you kind of brought it to me, like, should we do Scott Peterson? Do you want to tell them, like, kind of like what made you want to do it and like how you wanted to bring it up with me. so much news coming out about him potentially getting a retrial. And I think one of those things that's really shocking about this case is because in the ether, at least to me and the forums that I read and like through my friends, like it doesn't really, like everyone kind of knew that Adnan Syed should have gotten a retrial. Like we all sort of knew that despite that of innocence or guilt. But with Scott Peterson, 
no one seems to be convinced that he might be innocent. You know, a yeah. lot, uh, like, at le- you know, a lot of people, we know, but Rabia Chaudhry recently has yeah. kind of come out saying that she actually thinks that he might be. And, you know, she's a far better journalist than you and I are ever ever could be. So when she kind of says <laughs> something, I latch on to it. And this judge was going to have a hearing in order to grant him a retrial and then decided last week, essentially, two weeks ago, depending on when you're listening to this, mm-hmm. uh, she didn't want a hearing. She was going to decide on it on her own, which can kind of be a good or bad sign and so I just wanted to kind of go through these facts of this case again and are there is there plausible deniability is there a benefit of the doubt um, that we can go through and you know with that I know also we discussed Casey Anthony and I know you still have to watch the doc uh, John because you have to fix it uh, on your app but Peacock was giving me so much hell yeah before I watch this doc and we'll get to it before I watch this doc I was convinced Casey Anthony was guilty and I was like she's her whole life is ruined now I am more than a shadow of a doubt, know that she's innocent. Oh my god! I have changed my mind. Okay. Completely. Teaser alert! If teaser alert! It's a good teaser. Three parts on Peacock. Get with it, John. But now well, back to Scott Peterson. We will be getting with it. We will be doing that in a future episode. Literally, by the way, you can. I should post this on on Patreon. I literally took a video of Peacock not literally not letting me play the the video. Yeah. I did it on my iPad. I did it on my computer. I even did it on my Apple TV, and it's the same thing across all of them. So we will get to the Casey Anthony doc very quickly. Um, I just got to find a way to get it to stream on my account. Also, the Rabia podcast uh, that has just recently launched, and we should try to get Rabia on the show, actually, now that I think about it. But in, I would love yeah, to Yeah, we should do that. Yeah. Um, if she's available, of course. Her new show is called Rabia and Ellen Solve the Case. And it's a new show. It just came, it just launched like a couple weeks ago. And I think her first episode was all about Scott Peterson's alleged innocence. So check that out if you want. Darren, let's get into the details because we do want to remind some of you, in case you don't know the Scott Peterson case, some of the details about yeah. what happened that day, why he ended up in jail, and what's happening next for him. So Darren, kick us off here. And it's timely because uh, it happened around this time of year, That's right. in fact. On the morning of Christmas Eve 2002, hard to imagine 20 this was years 20 ago, years ago because yeah. I feel like I remember this case. Me too. <laughs> um, so I was, I was 14 when this happened because I'm 34 now. Yeah, um, yeah. And you were what, 46? I was time? 103. Yeah, yeah. Yep, yep. Yeah, you're 103. Well, on the morning of Christmas Eve 2002, Lacey Peterson vanished while taking her dog for a walk in Modesto, California. She was 27 years old, which is interesting to me because at 14, when I was in this case, I just thought 27. I was like, she's so old. Oh, my God. Mm -hmm. Like, and now I'm like, 27. What a fucking child. You know, know. like, she was a child having a child. And 27-year-old Lacey was eight months pregnant with a son whom she already named Connor. Her disappearance almost immediately gained national attention, Mm -hmm. and the world was captivated, and I mean captivated by this tragic mystery. Anyone who was conscious during that time uh, probably knows about this case. I was just going to say really quickly, the thing I remember about this case, at least in terms of the media, because this was just before like broadband internet kind of really took over, by the way. That's how old it is. Um, I remember I had a TV in my bedroom, which of course at that time was like, I don't know about you, but like oh, running no, a cable, that was like the big you know thing. what I mean? That Thank you. Big. I'm glad to hear someone else say that. Cause I was like, at least in my house, getting a television in my room was like crazy. So, and I was addicted and loved CNN. Like I would just watch CNN on a loop. Like I loved the news. I loved him knowing about politics. It felt Psychopath, like a portal yeah. to the outside world was in my room. And I love that. Anyway, they ran 
Lacey Peterson, Scott Peterson trial, like literally around the fucking clock on CNN, at least back then. So that's how I remember. I just remember seeing breaking news and like lower thirds and chirons of people that knew them. And it was just, yeah, it was complete and utter like media takeover. And as it. Oh, my God. And from what I recall, and granted, I was 14 at the time and wasn't, you know, into news as much. But from what I recall, I think people pretty much thought Scott was the guy. Definitely. Immediately. That's what I remember. A hundred percent. Yeah. And and at the heart of all this chaos, like I said, was her husband, Scott Peterson, who quickly became the leading suspect. And husbands usually become leading suspects and things like this. You know, people always, you know, a lot of killings happen with people that you know, not random strangers. And so obviously they're going to go to the person that's closest to her. Especially pregnant women. It's almost always the the yeah. the father or somebody connected romantically. Yeah. Well, his detached demeanor and aloofness following his wife's disappearance made police and the media incredibly suspicious. And I just want to say, there's a lot of that in the uh, Casey Anthony doc. Okay. A lot about her reactions towards everything. I'm you know, so she desperate was out partying to get... for their days. Yeah, I'm trying not to, but I'm just saying, like, yeah, no a lot of people we talk about, mm-hmm. we talk about how people's reactions to trauma can be yes, different, and yes. you know, I think this led to a lot of the social play, social media play, the news, and everything that for was kind sure. of making him feel guilty. But even more suspicion arose when it was discovered that he had been having an affair with a woman named Amber Fry. One of those names that you sort of <laughs> I know don't really forget, even if you're yeah. like, how do I know Amber? How do Fry? I? How can I place this? You know, it's yeah. like it's like Linda Tripp. It's like. How yeah. do I know Linda Tripp? You're like, or oh even, wait, you know, like, or it, even like Amber Heard, Anita you know? Hill. Anita You're right. Hill, it's yeah. just one of, it's just one of those names. But with a woman named Amber Amber Fry, who openly spoke with the media about their relationship, nearly four months after the disappearance, the bodies of Lacey and Connor were discovered on the shore of the San Francisco mm-hmm. Bay, the very same bay Scott had told police he had been fishing on the day Lacey had disappeared. I mean, this seems almost like an open and shut case. Scott was arrested yeah. for the murder of his wife and son on April 18th, 2003, so four months later, essentially. Yeah. Scott Peterson's trial began in June of 2004 and lasted approximately five months. Mm. There was an intense media coverage of every day of the trial mm-hmm. as the nation was glued to their screens following any and all updates on the case. I mean, this is sort of like the other, this was the Michael Jackson trial. This was the Truly. OJ trial. Like, this was Casey Anthony, for fuck's mm-hmm. sake. This has been... All the school shooting people is happening, you know? Yeah, yeah. On, no- on November 12th, the jury found Scott Peterson guilty of the first-degree murder of his wife, Lacey Peterson, as well as the second-degree murder of their unborn son, Connor Peterson. He was therefore sentenced to death by lethal injection. Since his conviction, however, though, Scott has lived out nearly 20 years on San Quentin's death row, but he has maintained his innocence the entire time. So that's just kind of the quick little update about what happened, right. why he got, why he found himself in jail. So let's fast forward a little bit here. Like Darren just said, he's lived out nearly 20 years at San Quentin. In 2020, just a couple years ago now, Scott entered a plea for the court to reconsider his punishment due to substantial new information that had been discovered regarding his jury. Now, this was the second time he had made such a request, but the first time it was turned down. I kind of remember that. Unlike his first attempt, Scott's request was accepted and he was granted the opportunity to attempt to change his fate. After a postponement due to COVID-19, the resentencing trial took place in December of 2021, so only a year ago now, as we record this. Defense attorney Pat Harris claimed that Scott was not given a fair trial, trial 
claiming that during jury selection, potential candidates were not properly screened. And that's important. I was just going to say, do you want to talk about that? This is why people on trials are quarantined away from everyone because, you know, this is why sitting on a grand jury can be a lot of time consuming because, like, even if you're sitting on OJ's trial or whatever, it's really important to have an unbiased jury when you're on trial for your life or on trial for anything. right. Right, and if you're listening to media coverage about this or you're talking to other jurors or you had a previous experience, you know, there is something about jury nullification where it's like, you know, if you believe in legalizing drugs, right, which is what I do, I'm probably mm-hmm. not the best juror to serve for a, for a drug trial because, especially if it's a nonviolent crime, like, automatically, I'm going to be like, this person doesn't deserve to be in jail. So <laughs> right. ju- jury nullification would be like, I'm going to lie to the court and go on the jury to try and change this. But right. I think if you're a good juror, what you should yeah. do is show that you have no bias. You know, if if someone shot a police officer on their own trial and it turns out that your father was a cop, right? you know, gonna that's going to influence juries. And so yeah. it's really important that juries are fair and unbiased about whoever that they're, you know, whatever case they're adjudicating at that point. A hundred percent, yeah. And actually on that note, jurors were dismissed based on their objection to the death penalty, which would have... Yeah. Could have theoretically resulted in a biased jury. Darren, you would have been probably rejected. I probably would have been. You know, this is I, I've sat on a jury before, and you know, essentially the judge asks you a series of questions, you know, it, that relate to the trial. And certainly, if someone asked me, you know, what do you believe about the death penalty? I would say I'm very anti-capital punishment. And then the lawyers on both sides get right. to decide what kind of jury they want to pick. They wouldn't be picking me. I, I yeah, can guarantee yeah, not you that on they that. wouldn't be picking me. Definitely not. Yeah. Um, I have only been called to jury summons once and they dismissed me, but I don't know the reason why. So I don't know. I really want to count Chocula. They, that they might be the uh, problem. Uh, trust you. They were like, we don't need serial vampires on this jur- jury selection. Yeah. Um, yeah. But anyway, so back to Scott here. He also cited the substantial amount of new evidence that had been brought to light since his trial in 2005. Um, For example, in the original trial, the defense team raised the possibility that Lacey's disappearance had been a result of her seeing and trying to intervene with a robbery that had taken place on their street. I didn't even know about this, by the way. Me neither. You don't really hear about this in the the case. But sounds like there was a robbery on her street that week. That's kind of interesting. The prosecution quickly shot back that the robbery in question had taken place on December 26th, two days after Lacey went missing. However, this has since been proven inaccurate. You'd think a robbery would be a really hard thing to get confused with, right? Like it happens on a certain day at a certain time or it doesn't. It's not one of those things that seems kind of hard to figure out. Yeah, and that's a big thing because that's two yeah. days yes, after right. Lacey went missing. And then if they're lying about that date, well, right, uh, exactly. Okay, well, that's a potential for, you know, that that's potential that she maybe did do that. Hard to imagine a pregnant woman, eight months pregnant, is going to stop a robbery, but maybe Lacey Peterson is a better woman than me. Let me tell that's you. That's true. I mean, that sounds very courageous in, in any regard, let alone when you're pregnant. Well, however, like I said, that was inaccurate, allegedly, uh, not allegedly, it was proven inaccurate. Not only do police records document that the robbery took place on the 24th, which, again, if they had the police records, they could verify that. Right. But by the 26th, the entire neighborhood had been taken over by news trucks and journalists, making it nearly impossible that a robbery could have even happened in broad daylight without somebody seeing anyway. 
So when questioned in an interview about how this could have been possible, Detective Bueller of the Modesto Police Department said that the thieves, quote, must have gone through the back, end quote. I don't know. So now you're saying that this this detective is essentially trying to defend the 26th, and then you start thinking, wait, why is he trying to defend that? Like, what's what's his skin in the game for that? What's his motive there? Right, exactly. Really quick before we go on, I wanted to talk about our favorite new gift website, Uncommon Goods. It's the holiday season. There's not much time left before Christmas, but there's Hanukkah. There's tons of holidays coming up, and... Uncommon Goods has quickly become my favorite website for this stuff. Darren, you recently talked about that custom viewfinder that you got your girlfriend and and that she loved. There are tons of unique gifts that you actually don't even have to customize either. They have tons of really cool customizable gifts, but um, other things too. So if you wanted to get something, you know, for just a coworker or a pickleball league partner, which might be what I'm shopping for, whatever it may be, they just have really cool gifts for, I think, everyone. One thing that's in my cart right now is this homemade limoncello kit. It is really cool. Um, you can make your own decanter. It's It comes with everything you need. It's really cool. It includes one liter glass infusion jar, two 17-ounce glass bottles with cork lids, stainless steel funnel, pipette, muslin cloth, bottle labels even, and natural Manuka honey flavor. It's, it's labeled easy in terms of difficulty level. I just thought it was such a cool thing. Like this isn't something you would like go to Walmart or even Target and pick up. And they have lots of other homemade uh, like food kits. There's like a beer brewing kit. There's a sake making kit. Um, and obviously since we're a boozy true crime show, I felt like this was something that you guys would really want. So if you love limoncello like I do, um, check it out. Again, that's Uncommon Goods. They're a really awesome website. Um, to get 15% off your next gift, you can go to uncommongoods.com slash shaken. That's uncommongoods.com slash shaken for 15% off. So don't miss out on this limited time offer. Uncommon Goods were all out of the ordinary. Okay, so let's get back to the show. Pat Harris, uh, again, the defense counsel here, pointed out that the entire case presented by the prosecution was purely circumstantial and any evidence suggesting any other possibility was quickly dismissed and ignored, including numerous eyewitnesses who had come forward and claimed to see Lacey walking the dog on the morning of her disappearance. Despite being credible, these witnesses were taken were never taken seriously by investigators, and according to Pat Harris, this is because it would have completely disproven their theory that Scott had murdered Lacey on the 23rd and dumped her body in the bay on the 24th. By the way, I'm starting to hear now with these details why Rabia would have been in particularly so interested in proving this innocence, because if all of this timing is true, the timing of this, of this situation is very much uh, the whole key and it and not only the timing but it would completely refute the state's uh, or rather the prosecution's timeline of events you know and and let's be honest a lot of that had to do with the Adnan Syed trial too you know the timing the cell phone towers sure, where was yeah. he at Best Buy was he at the library when Heyman Lee was getting right. murdered in the woods you know with Asia McLean right. uh, kind of seeing him there and so Timing is obviously a huge thing here, you know, and I think that's probably why Robbie is, you know, latching onto this. Yeah, definitely. We should have her on. So during the trial, both families were present, including Lacey's mother, Sharon, who gave a chilling speech 
Um, quote, Lacey and Connor will always be dead and you will always be their murderer, end quote. She said as Scott attentively listened, never breaking eye contact. Scott had prepared to speak to the court as well. However, the judge did not allow it, which is also another interesting detail. Like, why would the judge not allow the person on trial to speak if he wanted to? I mean, generally you don't, most uh, counsel would advise against testifying like that, but okay, interesting nonetheless, I think. I mean, I will say it's pretty compelling and it's got, it would influence me certainly as a juror to hear the mother oh yeah of of the dead of the dead daughter say that Lacey and Connor will always be dead and you'll always be their murderer yeah. you know i think she seemed convinced I, I, I right that's an emotional response for mm-hmm. sure but i can only imagine if scott is innocent mm-hmm. what it's like to be hearing that and totally. at the end of the trial the judge agreed <clears throat> excuse me the judge agreed that scott's death sentence was unconstitutional due to improper jury screening so his sentencing this happened recently was then changed to life in prison without possibility of parole and immediately after scott's defense attorney spoke to the press outside of the courthouse He spoke of his strong belief in his client's innocence and his dissent with the police for ignoring what he believes to be exculpatory evidence. Mm -hmm. Attorney Harris also spoke shortly about what Scott had prepared to talk about had he been given the chance. Mm. He said that one of the things that bothered his client the most was the idea that Scott didn't want to be a father, when in reality it was actually his deepest desire which he wanted to speak upon during the allegation. And, you know, that would have helped. You know, understand, like... We only see the reactions in social media. We only I was see just screenshots gonna say that. Him, you know, and him having eye contact with her and maybe not breaking or crying down. But like, if we could have heard him on the stand, that might have changed some people's minds. You know, hearing. Yeah. Hate to say it, hearing Casey Anthony changed a lot for me. You know, and like yeah, yeah, yeah. hearing he, hearing him might have changed things. And so Scott's sister-in-law, Janie Peterson, spoke to the press as well, saying, "Quote: We are here today because Judge DeLucy made a mistake during jury selection in 2004." But that is not where the problem started, she began. Janie believes that the only evidence the police and media had against Scott was that he was cheating on Lacey at the time of the disappearance. And let's be frank, people. Yeah. A lot of people commit infidelity. Don't make you a murderer. Lying don't make oh, you a murderer. Oh, yeah. Having an affair doesn't make you a murderer. It might make you a bad husband, but it doesn't make you a murderer. Definitely. Because, by the way, do you know how many fucking people are cheating as we speak? Let's put it that way. Right. Ex- the thing exactly. about this, and, and I think we've touched on it, but I want to reiterate again, is that... All of the recipe, all the ingredients for a like a like a shit media a storm. shit media storm, and like even like a, a a Hollywood movie are perfectly set here. You've got the pregnant, beautiful white blonde woman. I think I said pregnant, um, taking a jog along San Francisco's Bay, you know, which is a little bit more of an affluent area, you might say. The handsome husband who is having the affair. I mean, this is a recipe for a Hollywood movie. And you just really have to think like how much of that influence in our minds in 2002 before people really were sort of holding themselves accountable for this type of thing. And before there was even one true crime podcast, how much of that influenced this overall Situation. Well, and think about it. Scott and Lacey were attractive people. That's Scott's what I mean. Certainly attractive, yeah. and you know, and, and and that brings up a lot of cases because I think even looking at Monica Lewinsky, oh you know, yeah, that only happened a couple years before that. How people viewed Hillary back then, oh, way different than how people viewed Hillary in 2015 and 2016. <laughs> you know what true. I mean? Like yeah. 
they they look at everything and even Bill, so differently by now. The way. And even Bill, <laughs> absolutely. You know, it, it, back then he was like, "Oh my God, yeah. this blah blah blah." And now it's like, "Oh man, I wish the days of Bill Clinton." Like people quickly <laughs> right. forget, and people's appearances towards things affect so many biases For that sure. we really do have in our minds. Mm-hmm. And so that's really important for getting a fair trial. I agree. I'm going to continue with Janie here. She says, quote, you did not hear one detail about how this crime occurred. You only heard about my brother-in-law's infidelity, she said to a crowd of journalists. Mm. Can't really blame her for that. That's 100% true. Two months later, in February of 2022, another hearing was held to address the juror misconduct issues during the original trial. Along with the inefficient screening, another issue was brought up surrounding a well-known juror from Scott's trial, Rochelle Neese. Rochelle served as a juror number seven, Number seven, Count Chocula, <laughs> and had been nick and had been nicknamed Strawberry Shortcake by the media oh due to her dyeing her hair bright red in the middle of the trial. After convicting Scott, Rochelle went on to co-write a book along with six other jurors about their experiences and has appeared on numerous TV shows and news stations since. I feel really weird when jurors do this. I know, me too. And it's one thing to get them in a dock and talk about an experience being a juror, but for them to be able to sort of profit off of this yeah. feels wrong to or me. Or any murder trial in particular, it really kind of bothers me. Like heist. Yeah, especially as a juror. Yeah. Like, why are you making money off of this? Mm, like, yeah. regardless, two people, you know, a, a person and their unborn baby dying. Right, a hundred. You I know, agree. a guy's yeah. behind, it just seems a little sick to me. Yeah. Despite her strong <laughs> convictions of Scott's guilt, she made the decision to begin writing letters to him in prison. That's odd. Rochelle and, Rochelle and Scott wrote back and forth where he would ask about how the trial had impacted her and how her life had been since. In one of these letters, however, Rochelle let some information slip that would ultimately help Scott gain his chance at freedom. You know, truth comes out eventually, people. It sure does. She told Scott that she had once been severely beaten by a boyfriend while she was pregnant in 2001. Well... There you go. That's, that's not going to work. Gonna in, that's going to definitely influence. Uh, if I was beaten while I was pregnant and I mm-hmm. was serving on a jury for a guy whose wife was pregnant and died, I'm not confident I would have the wherewithal and the emotional capability to separate those To stay things. neutral I'd, about things. Of course not. Exactly. My God, especially that topic. Like imagine everything that you've been through. Well, it would later be discovered that in 2000, she had been granted a restraining order after being threatened by her ex-boyfriend and his new girlfriend, during which she, quote, feared for the life of her unborn child. Wow. End quote. Well, that's going to, that's a big thing. Mm -hmm. That's a big thing. One of the most critical questions asked during a jury selection process is whether or not the potential juror has been a victim of a crime similar to the case they are being assigned to. When, That's literally the number one question. And when asked this question, Rochelle had falsely answered no. This is something the court had no choice but to take very seriously as her previous experience could have heavily influenced her decision in convicting Scott. You know, you have to do you do have to start to think of like, well, if she was very heavily influenced and maybe had a grudge against these types of men that she thinks he is. Because we don't know. We're at trial at this point. And then she also reaches out to him later. You know, psychological. Like, I want to psychoanalyze what kind of decisions <laughs> but, go But into also, that. like, even for me, I do think that everything happens for a reason. And if he is innocent, yeah. without her writing these letters. I know. I know. We might not, you know, imagine I that know. kind of. Well, Rochelle attended the hearing and by request from her lawyers was granted immunity to perjury. 
Okay. Okay. I love that we both said that. Attorney Harris said, quote, a juror's refusal to cooperate in an investigation of her own misconduct may well evidence her bias, end quote. Yeah, Very true. This immunity would protect her from any ramifications if she were to admit to lying under oath, hopefully making her more likely to tell the truth. Because that's ultimately, by the way, what everybody I think is hoping to get at, especially if, you know, of course. So when asked why she had not been honest during the screening, she claimed that she didn't feel she had been victimized during those instances and failed to realize that the restraining order was a lawsuit. I get that. I mean, if that's. Who knows these you might not, intricacies? Uh, right. Who you knows? Know? Yeah. You know, who knows if she was going to lie or maybe you know block that out and all that stuff. But it's really important for Scott's trial right now. Yeah, right. That we have these this information. Well, get this: during the hearing, she was also cross-examined by the defense team about her history as a victim of domestic violence. Mm. Now, while being questioned, Rochelle repeatedly broke down into tears as she spoke about her experiences. Her subsequent success with her book was also brought into question, Darren, kind of similarly to what you had just said. Now, another juror, Justin Falconer, took the stand as well and spoke about how during the trial, Rochelle would make jokes about getting rich off of writing a book. Now she has other motivations, right? Sussies. Right. And no one's going to be like, no one really wants to read a book of a juror who didn't convict anybody right of course and it makes you want it also aside from the domestic abuse part of it it now makes you realize that she probably knew more about this case than she was even saying so she's trying now to get on to allegedly trying to get on to this juror pool so that she can then write a book about it later and let me say you remember when i think it was espn came out with that uh the OJ like document. Yeah, yep. maybe a nine part talk about. And they obviously had the jurors on there. And yeah. you know, one of the jurors who happened to be black, you know, and she said, like, a lot of the reason that we didn't convict OJ was our own emotional yes. reaction to what was happening at the Rodney King riots. Of course. You know, and like that type of interview, that type of color that we're going to get in these interviews is what I'm talking about that we need. Right. But not someone selling a book and then talking about it during the fucking trial. Right. That or is trying not, to that is get re- onto the jury so that she can write a book, right. allegedly. Exactly. Just to be clear yeah. here, this is just what the, the defense team is basically saying. So this hearing was concluded in August of 2022, and the judge is to announce the final decision as to whether or not Scott Peterson deserves a new trial sometime in December. Now, I had heard that the call was you, – you had just talked about this at the top a little bit. Wasn't the judge meant to make an announcement in, like, I think – sometime last week and then it didn't happen or it was going to be a hearing and then she was like we don't need a hearing i'm just going to make it happen myself which could be for a number of reasons you know back up in courts they don't think that media attention hearing so exactly exactly so if given a new trial it has been agreed that the prosecution will not reseek the death penalty so that's good that's good news and for people like us darren Attorney Harris remains hopeful for his client's future as a free man. He says that Scott dreams of being exonerated and starting a family one day. Today, Scott resides in the Mule Creek State Prison in Ione, California. I hope I'm saying that right. As he awaits the judge's decision. We were frankly hoping that we would have an update about this by the time we recorded this episode, but... Here we are, nonetheless. But um, and and uh, and of course, I'm I'm assuming I'm just gonna make sure. Yeah, well, I'm we sure should the check. Time that people listen tomorrow. There's gonna be like a big. I ruling. know, I know. We should check in on that. But 
basically, so the details around this are that he may have had a, a bad trial. He may be able to get a new trial. And it sounds like they have some evidence here that Lacey was, you know, potentially uh, connected to a robbery that happened earlier in the week. So, I mean, I think it's kind of obvious given this evidence and considering the juror that like like what we said with Adnan Sayed, like no matter what, I think he does deserve a retrial right. with fair and impartial jurors. And, and evidence you know, that is this, admissible, you know. And evidence that proves right. his guilt and not just circumstantial of being like, oh, yeah, he was cheating. So like everyone yeah. who cheats just wants to kill their wife yeah. and unborn baby. Like Com- that's comment. just yeah. that's a stretch. Right, right. Uh, right. You know, like it. Even though we talk about life insurance policies, it's not like everyone who has a life insurance policy wants well, to kill their spouse either. Well, maybe. So, well, well, well. Um, but I'm curious to see what you guys think. You know, yeah. a lot of people that I've talked to about this in the couple days has just sort of said like, oh, I think he's guilty. I think he's guilty. And if you think he's guilty, then a retrial should not harm you on this. You know, like. Yeah, that's true. If you yeah. think he's guilty and you still, then it should be proven in the court, court of, law of law effectively yeah. and accurately. And that will come to light. And if you believe in the criminal justice system, which I do, but I know that it's, it's broken, flawed, yeah. then he will get he will get a fair trial and will be put behind bars fairly. And that's what we should want for all of our citizens. Absolutely, that's going to happen. Absolutely, I love but let it. us know what you guys think at Carpe Darren at Jay Thrasher, Shaken and Disturbed podcast fans, because I'm really curious to hear what you guys all think about this in the public. For sure, this. this one I really do want to hear what people say. Let's move into listener shoutouts, Darren, as we wrap up this week's episode. Um, yes. Kaylin on Facebook shared an interesting tidbit in the Facebook group saying, quote, just listen to the I Don't Like Mondays episode and have some interesting thoughts about the song mentioned in the episode. I took a pop music history class in high school and heard the I Don't Like Mondays song for the first time. My teacher played us the song, asked if we could tell what it was about, and then gave us the details about the case. It was the first time I had ever heard about the, this tragic event. While the song should, could be considered insensitive, I believe it can also be a good teaching tool to show the history and impact that this had on society. I immediately thought of the song when I saw the case in the docket, something very interesting to consider. Kaylin, wow. that's very cool. Thank you for sending that in. I mean, anytime we hear about like teachable moments in our show, I'm very excited Especially about Especially through music. Yeah. You know, that's an interesting way to learn something. Yeah. Emily, who uh, <laughs> on Facebook, but I also DM'd her because I was you did. purely, purely disgusted very by disturbed. this. Shared her mom's Serial killer trait, which I think we can all agree. Mm-hmm. Quote, serial serial killer trait, my mom just got a Mexican pizza from Taco Bell and is drinking milk with it. Ugh. And frankly, oh my God. frankly, oh. Emily, your mom deserves to be on trial. And I, yeah. I don't think she should get a she fair trial She doesn't get a fair this. trial. She doesn't get I'm a the ju- I'm the judge and the jury in this. And yeah. I can say that she's guilty of just grossness. That's it. Listen. That's all I got to say about that. A... Don't be mixing dairies and dairies. No. Don't be doing that. Well, yeah, don't no. Be, don't be having any dairy with your taco. Guys, bell. we've made it very clear at the top of the show. Milk goes with booberry, frankenberry, and count chocula. And, ch- and chocula. And that's it. <laughs> that's and that's it. it. And that's not it. Taco There's no other bell. use for milk. No, absolutely not. By the way, Don't I loved your eaten. comment, Darren, on this post in our Facebook group. It was just like, no, 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 in capital letters. And then right below it was mine that was just like, call the police now or something like that. Yeah, like something's got it. Like blink twice if you <laughs> yes. need help, Emily. We are here for you. Get your mom on the podcast. We should she needs call to, her. She needs to listen up. We should call we her. Should, we should, you know what? I'm going to reach out. We should say we're out. concerned. We're concerned. Emily, I'm going to reach out to you somewhere on Facebook or something. We're calling you on a future episode and we want to talk to mom. 
because I need to see like what was your reaction? Like, yeah. do you just let your mom be your mom? That feels ridiculous. Like, are you, you know, like are you, do, are you unwell? Like, why would you ever have yeah, milk like, with is your she chalupa? Sick I, or I like is she okay? Like, listen. I don't know. We're yeah, worried yeah. about you, Emily. That's all we can say. We're worried. And finally, worried. I wanted to give a quick little shout out to my buddy, Mikey, Darren. He's a junior, I believe, at my alma mater, Fort Hill High School here in Cumberland, Maryland. He and his team just won the Maryland 1A state championships in football. Darren. Oh, my God. It was amazing. It was a tie game. It was, And they won 16-14 in the last two seconds on a field goal. Holy yeah, crap. Congratulations. Yeah. He's pretty incredible. Mikey. He's like this all star athlete in basketball. I mean, he's incredible. So I just wanted to give him a shout out and say, congrats. How did they win 16 14 if they won on a field goal? I, Isn't that okay. points? I wondered the same thing. And I Shouldn't was like, 17 14? It was 14 14, and then he hit the field goal. And I thought, Is it a field goal one point or two? Three. Three? Even from like really close? It doesn't matter how far you are. Oh, well, if it's after a touchdown, if you're kicking it after a touchdown, it's one point because the touchdown six points and then you get the extra kick, which is seven. But if he's kicking a field goal, you know, at 30 yards out, it's three points. So I think it's 17-14. It was, the score was definitely 16. This is why I shouldn't have done this. So maybe they have a safety okay, or something? Okay, something. I will find out. <laughs> Please. And update the show. I, I the feel bad now. The two gays on the sports I, podcast Listen, I was literally like, killing us. when I wrote that it, it was 16-14 and the field goal or whatever, I was like, that doesn't make sense. Because I went to every high school football game and when I was in high school because I was in the band and we went to everyone. So I will clarify, but nonetheless, they won the state title and Mikey is amazing. So congratulations, Mikey. Mazel tov, Mikey. Ya. Mazel yeah. tov. Yeah. Anyway, guys, moving on as we wrap up, our merch is available for holiday gifts. Time is running out. You need to buy it now. You got totes, pillowcases, phone cases, stickers, notebooks, anything you really want, all available in our merch store. And you can get the link right in our show notes. And, of course, the best way to keep the show going is to sign up to be a patron on Patreon. For as little as $5 a month, you can help contribute to our show as independent creators and help us pay our bills That's right. and get more Count Chocolate and I ha- cereal. And all of the links for Patreon can be found in our show notes or patreon.com slash shakenanddisturbed, all one word. An update for those of you super fans, the tie-dyed shirts are almost ready. I learned dun, how dun, to tie-dye dun. recently. John texted me this week and he's like, I learned it <laughs> yes. and it's really fun. And I was just like, dear Lord. I also thought us. it was more complicated than it actually is. So, no, no it's you just super like easy. Them up yeah. And then you like dip yeah. them. It's fun. It's I so used to fun. do it with my mom as a kid. I've never yeah. done it. So, I didn't know that it was so easy and I should have realized it was easy. But anyway, more to come on that with you, Patreon fans. And thank you if you've already uh, been supporting us there. We love you. Yes, and of course, we have to thank our fearless producer, uh, fearless researcher, rather, Megan, for this thank awesome you. update oh. on this case. Thank you. <laughs> I don't know really why I went right week, into John. it. What? You're like, thank, thank you, you, Megan. No, but thank Megan you. We did, really do this every week. This one was one yeah. where we were like, hey, Megan, can you go do this one right away, like really quickly for us? And she did. So we do. Yeah, we love her for that. So we do. Um, so one, two, three. Thanks, Megan. Thanks, Megan. We love you. You're ya. the best. Oh. And guys, hopefully John's Peacock app. Uh, will be running appropriately so we can toss Casey Anthony because I got a lot to say on it. Mm-hmm. So, John, giddy up. Are you saying on that, that customer you, service goal. that you hope that my peacock is like working and and like I don't I don't think we should. I'll the be app honest, is, this is up. a family friendly show. I don't think we the, should talk about your peacock. The peacock is that's up. what I don't think. Yeah, the peacock is up okay. and it's ready to, um, to experience to be used. things. It's ready to be. Okay. All right. We gotta sign off. We gotta it's get out of here. This is it's gonna get an explicit right, rating. Out. We gotta go. <laughs>
this is too much. Bye, guys. Right. Love you. Bye. All right. Bye, guys. Yeah. <laughs>